everyone. Welcome. Why don't you stand with us? It's time to praise our awesome God. Lord, we praise you. We will praise you always. You are awesome. Yeah. 
Yeah. 
your burden weighing heavy? Is it all too much to carry? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Do you feel that empty feeling? Cause shame's done all it's stealing. Are you desperate for some healing? Let me tell you about my Jesus.
would care that much about me let me tell you about my jesus oh he makes a way where there ain't no way rises up from an empty grave ain't no sinner that he can't save let me tell you about my jesus his love is strong and his grace is free and the good news is i know that he can do for you Every breath. 
it's running after me. Your goodness is running after. It's running after me. With my life laid down, I'm surrendering now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after. It's running after me. Sing it again. Your goodness is running after. It's running after me. Your goodness is running after. It's running. your heart during this praise and worship time. You are worthy, God, of every bit of the glory and the honor. You and you alone. I love you, Lord. You are so good. You are so good, God. Lord, I pray that you will work in our lives tonight. I pray that every heart is just open to hear and receive what you have to say to us tonight, Lord. Change us. Make us more like you. Let us have an encounter with you, God. I love you, I praise you, and I thank you. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Give him another shout. Give him another shout. We love you, Lord. You are beautiful, God. You are beautiful. You may be seated. Amen. Amen. All my life, he's been so good. He's been so able. I uh, was going to read a scripture and then realize that I took my phone off and left it down there on the chair, so I'm not going to do that. No, it's okay. I appreciate it. Um, I was reading the other day when they were starting to build a tabernacle in the wilderness. Moses said to bring. So the people began to bring those things which were actually given to them when they left Egypt. And they, let, they had gold, they had silver, they had bronze, they had skins, they had woven material, purple material, different things that they brought to be used for the tabernacle. One of the things that was interesting to me, and I didn't think about it until just recently, the scripture talks about how they brought acacia wood and different types of wood. And I'm thinking, you know, these guys are in the, the, the desert. Where did they get this stuff? You know, they went a long ways away to find that wood 
in areas away from where they were living because they were in the desert. But they were faithful. They were willing. They loved the Lord enough to give to Moses so that he could build the tabernacle. And, of course, we know the story of when he did and how he built it and how the Lord came down and his presence filled the inner chamber, the inner part of the tabernacle. And his glory shone on the camp. Why did he do that? Because he showed them. He wanted to show them that he wanted to bless them because of their faithfulness. He wants to bless us because of our faithfulness. When we're not faithful, he, you know, for just... If we have just a little, but we want to keep it, well, we may not see God's hand move in our life. My, Sharon and I have gone through some very, very difficult times. One year, I think our gross income that year was $4,800. But we still tithe. And God still, I, st I cannot tell you to this day how we got through. I cannot. It didn't make sense. I mean, there were, there were miracles. There were things that happened that I could share for an hour of what God did, all I know was we were faithful. I want you to be faithful tonight, too. If you'd like to, there's several ways of giving. Of course, you can mail it to, to 2313 East Prospect. You can send in checks. You can take cash. There's a kiosk right outside that door. Please put in your full name when you do that. Or use a credit card. You can give pca.church.com uh, slash giving. Or you can text it to PCA Church to 844-390-2401. Don't ask me to memorize that. I'm just looking at it right here. But God wants to bless us. So let's bless him, shall we? Ushers, if you'd come forward. Lord, this evening, there may not be a lot of us here tonight, Lord, but we can be faithful. Lord, we can be humble. We can be loving. We can be generous, Lord, as we give. Lord, thank you for the gifts that will be given tonight. We just thank you, Lord, and, and ask your blessing on those gifts and the giver. Lord, even those at home who are live streaming can still give. That's why we have different ways of doing it online or with a phone or, or however. But, Lord, help us to be faithful in order to see your tabernacle shine here in, P here in Ponca City, Oklahoma. Lord God, we just we bless you, Lord, tonight. We just thank you for being so good to us. In the wonderful, precious, holy name of Jesus, amen. God bless as you give. So, so tonight we're talking about take aim. We're going to talk about taking aim, and I may end up using this microphone if he doesn't find my other one. How's everybody doing tonight? Good. I'm glad you're here. This is going to be fun. So when Mr. Steve gets back, he's going to help me out with something. But first, I'll just pray. How about that? Pray first, always a good rule, right? Heavenly Father, I bless your name. You are awesome, and you're worthy of every bit of the glory and the honor and the praise. And I pray that you would just help me 
Um, help me to say the things you want me to say and not say the things you don't want me to say. And Lord, I pray that we will all just hear from you tonight. Move on our hearts. I love you, Lord. You are awesome. In Jesus' name, amen. check. Here we go. So here's what I want you to do. Take this, and I want you to take aim and hit the target. What target? Oh, Pastor Richard, could you give us a target? Hey, there we go. All right, take aim and hit the target. No ammo. No, oh, hold on, sorry. So sorry. I would never do that to you on purpose. Here you go. <laughs> you know what I found about these practicing? Even in a big room where you think you won't lose it, you lose them. I don't know what you people with kids do. My goodness. You keep buying more, I guess. <laughs> okay. Now you cock it back. There you go. Now take aim. Ooh, that was good. I don't even think I'd go on beyond that. You hit the yellow. <laughs> Okay, yay, thank you. And don't act up or I'll shoot you. No, I'm just kidding. These are jokes, people. Okay, so <laughs> thank you for laughing. <laughs> so um, Acts 21 is my first scripture, and that says, However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. And Pastor Richard, I'm ringing in these monitors a little bit, if you could... Take me down, that would be, take me down. <laughs> what an appropriate word. Don't shoot me. <laughs> okay. So, take aim. We need to take aim in life. So, what are we supposed to aim at? What are we aiming at? Well, the first target that we need to aim at with our life is Jesus. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, don't leave this place without that. That is the most important thing. And life is meaningless without that. But assuming everyone here knows Jesus... And if you don't, please come see me after the service. But assuming everyone here knows Jesus, each of us has a God-given purpose. We have several purposes, actually. <clears throat> and those are what we should focus on. We should take aim and focus in that direction with our life and with our choices. If you don't have, if you don't know what your purpose is, if you're not aiming at something, you're going to wander aimlessly and you're going to probably be going in the wrong direction. And you're not going to be accomplishing God's plan for you. And God has a great plan for every person in this room, every person watching um, on live stream. So if you're going to take aim at something, you need to know what your target is. Just like Steve didn't know what his target was, right? You've got to know what your target is to be able to aim at it and to be able to hit that target. So have you ever asked yourself, why am I here on earth? Why am I here on earth? If you have not, you need to start asking God. You don't just ask anybody. You ask God, why am I here on earth? What's my purpose? What should I be taking aim at with my life? And as long as you're breathing, it doesn't matter your age, as long as you're breathing, you have a purpose. So the world says we should take aim at things like money, fame, more stuff, Bigger, better cars, houses, clothes, technology, the latest iPhone. Whether or not we can afford it, the world tells us to go ahead and buy it, buy it. 
fame, popularity, power, the most friends, the most likes on social media, the best pictures on social media, whether or not those pictures are true or lies, which most of them are lies, right? We pose and repose and repose until we get that perfect picture that we can put out there so everybody thinks our life is perfect. And, you know, having friends and money and things is not necessarily a sin. God wants to bless his people. But he wants us to keep that in priority. So if we let things and, you know, anything but God take the highest place, then it's sin. So we can't let anything go above God. So what do you want out of life? You need to ask yourself, what have I been aiming at? You can figure that out by where you spend most of your time and your money. If you look at that, um, that'll tell you what you're aiming at for the most part. But what about things that you can't buy like joy, peace, and satisfaction, and knowing that you're doing what God asks you to do? Those things you can't buy, but they are vital. And as disciples of Jesus Christ, we all have a mission, right? We all have a mission. It's called the Great Commission. That is the target that we are supposed to take aim at, every one of us. If you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are supposed to be doing this. So Matthew 28, 19 and 20 is the Great Commission. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's not a suggestion. That is a command. That is your mission. So now that we know what our target is, we can take aim at it. No more wandering aimlessly. Now we know we are supposed to be finding the lost and bringing them to Jesus. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Before you were even born, God had a plan for what you were supposed to do. God wants us to take aim and accomplish his plan for each of us. In order to do that, we've got to know him intimately. We've got to spend time with him. We've got to know his voice to be able to hear what he's trying to get us to do. And we need to apply what we learn. Don't just read the Bible and then walk away. Actually do what it says. Every believer is made for this mission to share God's news about the good news about Jesus to unbelievers. So how do we bring people to Jesus? If accomplishing the Great Commission is where we are to take aim, what kind of ammunition are we going to use? Well, we won't use literal am ammunition. We won't use, you know, arrows, bullets, and bombs. <laughs> but we do have some tools that we can use. So here's how we can reach unbelievers. You've got to know God's Word and use God's Word. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. We've got to know God's word. We should know the story about Jesus so that we can explain it to people. He was, you know, he came from heaven. He's always been. He was born of a virgin here on earth as a baby. God was his daddy. We need to know about his ministry as an adult, and we need to know about his teachings. We need to be living by those teachings. We need to know about his miracles. We need to know how he willingly was mocked, beaten, and crucified on the cross for our sins. 
and how he died for our sins. And that on the third day, he was resurrected from the dead. He's alive and well. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father, and he's praying for us. That almost always makes me cry when I think, man, Jesus is up there praying for me. That is awesome. Nobody can pray better than him. <laughs> okay, so we need to know some scriptures such as Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 5.8, but God shows his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. John 14, 6, Jesus said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's an important one because there are a lot of people that think there are lots of ways to heaven. And we need to make sure they know that that is not true. Because we love them, we need to tell them that in love. Okay, Romans 10, 9, and 10, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe with your heart that God raised him from the dead. That's the you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes and is justified, and with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. So we need to know some scriptures. That's just a few. There are a lot of great scriptures that we should know. We need to live life as a good example. We need to actively study the word. We need to actively pray. We need to actively do what it says. We need to live like Jesus. We need to be, uh, we need to have compassion we need to speak the truth in love. We need to speak the truth, and we need to speak the truth in love. We need to exhibit the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. People need to see that in our lives. And love and self-control are kind of the bookends that hold it all together, that help you to do those things. We need to avoid things that God hates. Obvious sin, you know, having sex outside of marriage, um, drinking too much, addiction, killing people. If you didn't figure that out, that's a sin. <laughs> Lying. There's a lot, of, a lot of things we need to avoid. You know, we need to avoid gossiping. God hates gossip. God hates complaining. How many of you have probably complained today, right? I really do try not to complain, but I fail sometimes. Um, negativity. We need to be positive people. These things will not draw people to you or to God, and we need people to be attracted to us. They need to see Jesus in us. They need to see love. Smile. You need to walk through life with a smile on your face. Christians really should be the most joyful and friendliest people in the world. We should be. How many of you met some mean Christians? I have met some mean Christians. We shouldn't. And then you kind of think, are you really a Christian if you're that mean? But, but that's not up to me. That's up to God. <laughs> but we should be some of the most loving people. So you need to smile as you go through life. So does your face say, as you're, say, walking through Walmart or wherever you go during your day at work? Does your face say, yes, please talk to me. I will be nice to you. Or does it say, back off. There's a wall here, and don't you dare try to climb it. Okay, your face can say all of that. And we need to be people that when people look at us, they're like, 
that person might be a Christian. If you're doing this, they're probably not going to think that. I'm just saying. <laughs> okay, so don't try to argue people to Jesus. I have yet to see, personally, I have never seen somebody come to Jesus from an argument. <laughs> it may happen. I would say it's probably pretty rare. If you're negative, unfriendly, or God forbid, hostile towards people, then they're going to put their defenses up. They won't listen to you. They definitely won't want to be like you. They won't want what you say you have. They won't want Jesus if you're the one telling them about it and you're not being sweet and kind. Okay? Okay, the next tool we have is our testimony, your story about what Jesus has done in your life. I love personal testimonies. Just on Monday, I was in, up on our farm in Kansas, up past Salina, way out in the middle of nowhere. And I was asking my 83-year-old uncle how he came to Jesus. He's a Baptist preacher. I have a lot of preachers in my family. And I had never heard his story, so I was asking him his story just the other day. They are fascinating to me. It's awesome to hear what people were like before, um, you know, and then how Jesus changes their life. It's a powerful thing. And that is what we need to use to talk to people about Jesus. We need to tell them what he has done in our life. People cannot successfully argue against your personal experience. Your testimony is our testimony. That's kind of where I'm going to camp out. We all have a purpose, that commission to win the lost. We've got to know how to share Jesus, and we've got to know how to share our testimony. In Revelation 12, 11, there's a scripture that talks about they... They triumphed over the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. I think that's a powerful scripture. So when I worked for the caring people for, from 2017 to early last year, for three years, I worked for the caring people single mom ministry, and I traveled the state opening small groups for single moms, the first one of which was here, and we have some of our single moms in here with us tonight. Um, I loved that job, but I was recruiting churches and women to have small groups for single moms, and I would train them after they, they would come to training sessions, and I, say, I trained hundreds of women, and one of the things that we would do is we would have everyone write down their testimony, and then we would all share our testimonies, and that was really my favorite time, and it was usually lots of Kleenexes, lots of tears. <laughs> it was a fun time. That was one of my favorite times, but one of the things that I found the most, and it was very shocking to me, these women are all Christians. They're wanting to be leaders in, in a small group, and one of the things that I found very shocking was many of them had never really thought about their testimony or written it down or given their testimony, which tells me we are not out there trying to reach the lost like we should be, right? And so if that's you, if you have never done that, you don't have to raise your hand, but it starts now. It starts now. You, you're accountable for it now that you know that's what you're supposed to do, okay? So your testimony, um, we need to write it down. We need to practice it often. Uh, your, your testimony should include what your life was like before you knew Jesus, how you realized you needed Jesus, how you committed your life to Jesus, and the difference Jesus has made in your life. And I actually have some forms that some ladies are going to hand out as you leave that just have blanks, and it has those four categories. Because you need to write down your testimony and get it in order and figure out 
and remember all the awesome things God has done for you so that you can tell people, and you won't tell the whole thing at once, right? You'll know the Holy Spirit will help you to know which things you need to tell when. But you need to have it in your brain, and you need to practice it, okay? So you'll get a handout on the way. I'm sending you home with homework. You're welcome. Okay. So now I need you to use your imagination because I was going to do a testimony of myself, but I do that all the time. You already know a lot of my story. So I decided I'm going to be the Apostle Paul tonight. I know that's a stretch, but I think you guys have great imaginations. So I'm going to be Paul most of the time. I will have to stop and talk as me a few times because, well, you guys know me. Okay. So, so one of the things that I did before, before I even get started, I wanted to know, because his name was Saul, right? He went by Saul, and then he went by Paul. And I wanted to figure out, when did that change? Why did that change? Did Jesus change his name? You know, because Jesus changed Simon's name to Peter. And I thought, well, maybe. So I read it again. No, Jesus didn't do it. So then I looked at, well, maybe the meanings of the names. And I, one of the things that I found, well, of course, the first king of Israel, his name was Saul. So there were probably a lot of young men named Saul because that was a regal royal name. So maybe that's why he had gone by Saul before he was saved. But then afterwards, he went by Paul. And I looked up the meaning of that name, and it means small or little. And I thought, well, he seemed, you know, Paul seemed pretty... Um, humble after he was saved. And so I thought that maybe that's why. Less of me, more of you. I'm small, I'm little. I don't know. But I just, I found that interesting. Okay, so here we go. Now I am Paul. Okay. My testimony by Paul, the apostle, previously known as Saul, the persecutor of Christians. What my life was like before I knew Jesus I, Paul, was born of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. I was circumcised on the eighth day. Okay, now wait a minute. This is Karen talking. Why would you tell that? Why would you talk about being circumcised on the eighth day in public? Well, if you really look at the Bible, if you read the Bible, I mean, that seems like too much information. But um, the reason he would be telling that is usually he was kind of on trial before the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And a circumcision is the outward sign of a covenant with God that they all did. So that would mean a big deal to those people that he was talking to most of the time. So that's why he told that. Okay, back to Paul. In regard to the law, I was a Pharisee. As for righteousness based on the law, I was faultless. As for zeal, I persecuted the church. I was a proud, card-carrying Christian killer. Okay, this is Karen again. It really doesn't say he killed anybody. But it did say that he was breathing out murderous threats. He was an obvious leader. He was an instigator. And it does say that when Christians were being killed, he was standing there approving of it. Okay? So he may not have done the actual dirty work and gotten the blood on his hands. But, oh, he was, he was involved. Okay. So back to Paul. I was tenacious. I dove in. I persecuted those who followed the way. I truly thought I was right. I, was, I thought I was aiming at the right target. I was very focused, and I was very good at my job. So many believers were imprisoned or killed because of my zeal, because of my misguided beliefs. How I realized I needed Jesus 
I was breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. I knew I could stop these rabble-rousers, these troublemakers. I even asked the high priest for papers, for letters to take to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if I found any people who belonged to the way, I could have them imprisoned. Now, what I'm about to tell you may sound crazy, may sound far-fetched, unbelievable, but I'm going to tell you anyway. So on my way to Damascus, me and a couple of guys, we were headed there. And as we neared Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around me. I fell to the ground and I said, and I heard a voice. I fell to the ground and I heard a voice say, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And I asked, who are you, Lord? I heard a voice say, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and I will tell you what you must do. The men can vouch for me. They heard the sound. They didn't see anybody, but they heard the sound. So I got up, but I was blind. I could not see a blessed thing. I couldn't even see my hand before my face. So those guys, they had to take me by the hand, and they had to lead me all the way to Damascus. And I was blind for three whole days. The Lord gave me a vision that a man would come and place his hands on me and restore my sight. While he was giving me the vision, the Lord also told a disciple named Ananias to find me, Saul of Tarsus. He even told him what house I was in. And Ananias answered him and he said, Lord, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. He has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. You're really going to send me to this man. He didn't want to come to me, and I don't blame him, because in the past I would have had him arrested and persecuted. But the Lord told him, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. So Ananias came to me. He placed his hands on me, and he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell off of my eyes, and I could see again. You know, I had heard the stories about, you know, all those Christians saying, I was blind, but now I see. Well, he literally made me blind, and then he literally made me see again. It's so much more, though, than just seeing the world around me, the trees, the people. He made me see that he, Jesus Christ, was the true Son of God, the Savior of the world. How I committed my life to Jesus. Once those scales fell off, I, my eyes were open. I could see that Jesus was the true Son of God. He had died for me, me, so that I could live for him. He rose again, and he's alive and well. I met him on the road to Damascus. That was after he had been crucified and raised again. I can't believe he would go to all that trouble for me, the worst of sinners. I had been killing and persecuting his people. Why would he save me? I want to tell you this. If he would save me, he can save you. He would gladly save you. You probably haven't done what I've done. Once I realized all this, I gave myself to him, heart, soul, and flesh. 
I got up when I got up and I was baptized and I immediately began telling everyone I saw about him. The disciples, man, I wanted to send a lot I wanted to spend a lot of time with the disciples. At first they didn't want me to come close to them. They were still afraid. And I don't blame them, but Barnabas, he convinced them that I was the real deal, that I would not persecute them. I was so hungry to learn from these people, these disciples, who had gotten to spend so much more time with him than I did. So the difference Jesus has made in my life. I had been so zealous, so dedicated to persecuting Christians when I thought Christians and the way was basically blasphemy and a cult. I thought it was dangerous to Judaism. I was so sincere. I really did think I was doing the right thing. Once Jesus showed me the truth, though, I repented, and I headed in a total new direction. When I understood that we must go through Jesus to have a relationship with the Father, we must go through Jesus to get to heaven someday, Hmm, that's exactly what I did. I went to Jesus. I immediately began witnessing about Jesus, talking about the good news. After my conversion, I stopped taking aim at Christianity, trying to stomp it out. Now I know it's not dangerous. Now I know it is the one true way. I've changed my ways, though. I'm aiming in a whole new direction. Now I'm living in the truth of God's word. I'm sowing good things, the truth about the good news of Jesus. One thing is different now. <laughs> Followers are no longer afraid of me. If I had not given my heart to Jesus, I would still be rounding them up to persecute them. But now, if you're a believer, rest assured, you're safe with me. You can relax. I am now one of you. Before my conversion, I was taking aim, but I was taking aim in the wrong direction. I had to refocus my aim. I now channel that fierce intensity into spreading the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. So let me ask you here today, do you need to refocus your aim? What are you aiming at? What have you been aiming at? If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, that needs to be the first thing you take care of. And if you're not taking aim, if you are a believer and you're not taking aim to find the lost and bring them to Jesus, you need to refocus. If we want to please God, we need to focus on winning the lost. We need to make sure we know how, know the word, know our testimony, and focus on winning the lost. I now take aim at whatever or whoever the Lord tells me to take aim at. I want what he wants, not what I want. And you know, I know I can't do it, but if I could, I would go back and undo some things. I'd allow my, I, if I allow myself to think about it, I have regrets. One regret that I have is I proudly watched and approved as the disciple Stephen was killed. There were so many believers that I hunted down and I imprisoned, and I approved of their persecution. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward 
in Christ Jesus. I have to do that in many areas. Forget my past and press on. Because I did so many things wrong. I have to forget about that wrong, the sins that I committed. Jesus has forgiven me. He, his blood paid the ransom for me. He's wiped my sins away. I must refuse to allow guilt and regret to keep me from doing God's will. I cannot. I will not allow my history to keep me from reaching my destiny. Don't allow your history to keep you from reaching your destiny. I've been given a purpose and a destiny that I must run towards for Jesus. In order to reach my destiny, I have to stop focusing on my past sins. I've got to forget what's behind and strain on towards what is ahead. I need to take aim at the target that God has in mind for my life. One of my favorite purposes, my favorite purpose, is the target of winning the lost. I think it's the Lord's favorite target for all of us, too. He doesn't want any to perish. He doesn't want anyone to go to hell, not even Gentiles. He wants the Jewish people, his people, to know him for sure. But there are no boundaries there. He wants everyone to know the truth. Why else would he command every disciple to go and make disciples of all nations? He told us exactly what or who he wants us to take aim at, unbelievers. And that's aim with love and the knowledge of Jesus, right? This is not a suggestion. It is our mission, our command. God wants us, he told us to be fishers of men, right? He wants us to catch unbelievers, turn them into believers who know what their purpose is. And that purpose is to catch unbelievers, turn them into believers who know what their purpose is. And that purpose is to catch unbelievers, turn them into believers who know what their purpose on. And that, that should just go on and on. That cycle should just continue on and on and on. That's what we should be doing. Does it sound overwhelming to you, though? You might ask, how can I do this? Who do I talk to? What do I say? Ask the Holy Spirit to guide you and give you boldness and courage, and he will. And if you practice the other things that we were talking about, knowing his word, knowing your testimony, you'll know what to say. He'll help you. But if you're afraid, and let me tell you many things that God has asked me to do. At first, I'm afraid, but if you do it afraid, many times the fear goes away. But if you know what it's God, if you know it's what God wants you to do, you need to do it afraid. He'll be with you. We can't predict what will happen. We can't predict how the person will re respond. Sometimes it'll be great. Sometimes they'll want us to go away. But we walk by faith, not by sight, and we just have to do what the Lord tells us to do. My purpose is to tell everyone about Jesus. Every believer's purpose is to tell as many people as possible about him. God commanded us to love God and to love people. And the best way to love people is to give them an opportunity to know Jesus. Everyone needs that opportunity. We cannot make them choose Jesus, but they need the opportunity. Just don't become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. We need to be generous in giving of our time, our love, and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. So let's sow seeds of love. 
and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. For he who wins souls is wise. My quest is to take aim at the right thing and fulfill my purpose. You know, I've taken many long, some long journeys with the mission to spread the good news about Christ. Previously, I would have been hunting Christians down, but now I'm helping new Christians come into the kingdom. I've also written several letters to churches and to people, encouraging them in their Christian walk. Many of those I wrote from prison. I wrote to churches in Rome, Corinth, Galatia, Ephesus, Philippi, Colossus, Thessalonica. I've written letters to my, my Christian spiritual sons and friends in the faith, Timothy, Titus, and Philemon. I will always talk about Jesus to as many people as possible. Although, just because it's God's will does not mean it will be easy or trouble-free. But I will tell people about Jesus, even if I'm shipwrecked. And that has happened three times. Even if a snake comes out and bite me, which has also happened. Even if they throw me in prison, which has happened multiple times. I do need to tell you about this one time. One time, I was traveling with Silas. And there was this slave girl, and she was possessed by a spirit of divination. And she made a lot of money for her owners. A lot of money. And she followed us for many days. Not a few minutes, not an hour, not one day. She followed us for many days. And while she followed us, she would be shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. Now, you know, that's a pretty good message that she was given. But for day after day after day, it really began to wear on my nerves. So finally, I turned around and I said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. Well, the spirit left immediately. And boy, were her owners mad because their source of income was gone. And it was our fault. So they seized me and Silas, and they dragged us to the authorities. And the magistrates ordered that we be stripped naked and beaten with rods. Hmm. We were severely flogged and then thrown into prison. The guard was ordered to guard us carefully, so he put us in an inner cell, and he put the stocks on our feet. So... About midnight, we were in our cells, all chained up, and we were praying and singing praise and worship to our awesome God. Now, there are only two times to praise God, when you feel like it and when you don't. God is always worthy of every bit of the praise, and he says he'll inhabit our praises, so you want him there. So praising him is just always a great thing. So we were praising God. Suddenly there was a violent earthquake and the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and he saw the prison doors open and he thought for sure all the prisoners had escaped. He pulled his sword and he was about ready to kill himself and I said, don't do it, we're all here. He rushed in, he fell trembling before us and he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And we told him, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your entire household. How awesome is that? Yeah, we went through a beating. We were stripped naked. 
We were in prison in chains. But if we hadn't gone through all that, we wouldn't have seen the miracle God was going to work. We wouldn't, that guy might not have, and his family might not have been saved if that hadn't happened to us. If somebody gets to go to heaven, it's worth it. It's worth it. Okay, so besides snakes and shipwrecks and prison, even if I'm stoned with rocks, <laughs> which has happened, I will still talk about Jesus. Even if I'm beaten to within an inch of my life, and that has happened multiple times, I will still talk about Jesus. Much of my life has been in danger. I have lived in danger. But I've never lived my life in fear. Our Heavenly Father has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind and self-control. And I decide that I'm going to trust him with my life. And he takes care of me. Yes, it might not look like it when I'm beaten and in prison. But, but he's taken care of me and he's got a plan. Am I ever tempted to grumble or complain? Sure, I'm human. But I know it's best to do everything without grumbling or arguing. You know, I was given a thorn in my flesh, and three times I pleaded for God to take it away from me. And he said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So for Christ's sake, I delight in my weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak because of his power, then I am strong. No matter what, I will continue to talk about Jesus. That is my purpose. That is where I will channel my energy. That is where I will take aim, winning the lost. I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim, Acts 20, 24 says, my only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord has given me, the task of testifying of the good news of God's grace. And through all of this, I only hope that maybe something that I have said or done or written will change even a few lives after I'm gone on this earth. Thank you. Thank you, Paul, for your testimony. Woo! And the crowd goes wild. Okay. So let's just think about that. That, that was an amazing testimony. And that's basically, if you want to go read it, he gives it several times in Acts 22 through 26, I think. But if we really think about it, imagine if he's talking to people about Jesus all the time, how many people came to Jesus while he was on this earth. But then you think of so much of our New Testament was written by Paul. And think of all the thousands of people who have come, millions of people who have come to know Jesus or been strengthened in their Christian walk because of what Paul wrote to those churches and to his friends. What an awesome gift God gave us in Paul. His, his entire life was about bringing people to Jesus once he came to know Jesus. What has your life been aimed at? What is your target? What is your priority? Do you need to refocus and take aim in a new direction? Because if you're a believer, this is what God has commanded you to do. I encourage you to write down your story and to take one of these forms as you leave. It'll be your reminder to do your homework. Write your testimony and practice it and then use it often. It's going to be a powerful tool that will help people to know what Jesus can do. 
take aim at what or who God wants you to take aim at. And that definitely includes bringing people to Jesus. That's all I had for tonight. Um, So I'm going to pray and I'm going to let you all go. If anybody needs prayer, come back and let me know. Um, But I really do pray and hope that you will take this to heart. Because God has great things in store for you and he will guide you to people that you never even imagined you'd get to talk to and tell them about Jesus. Okay, stand up and we'll pray. Heavenly Father, I love you, and I'm so grateful for who you are. I thank you for these people here, and I thank you for the plans that you have for each one of us. Lord, help us to take aim in the direction you want us to take aim, at what or who you want us to take aim at. Bring people to us when we're just out and about. Help us to, have, to take the time to be friendly to people and start new relationships. Or maybe it's with family that we've known for years. But, Lord, I believe, Holy Spirit, I'm asking that you will speak to everyone's heart and and give everyone someone in their heart right now that they know they need to talk about, to talk to about Jesus. And I know you're doing that right now. Whoever pops into their head, I believe that they will go and talk to that person. Lord, we know this is important to you. Open our eyes to how important it is. Help us to live like you. Help us to be loving and kind and help us to draw people to you. Give us boldness, Lord. Help us to be fearless, relentless warriors for your cause. I love you. I praise you and I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' holy and powerful name. Amen. 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 We sure hope you were blessed by Pastor Bardwell's message. Join us anytime at PCAChurch.com and every Sunday at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City.